When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Score North knows it's been a long winter. Time to dream about the warm weather ahead at the 2023 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. Returning to the Minneapolis Convention Center, February 24th through the 26th. For a very limited time, you can get tickets for half price. Visit scorenorth.com right now and use the keyword golfer to save 50% on admission. Your admission ticket also gets you 14 rounds of free golf. Visit scorenorth.com keyword golfer to get this limited deal. See you at the show. Get in the know. Non-stop Viking stop. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Welcome in to our Tuesday extravaganza. Reckless Vikings draft speculation. Well, Declan has on the screen draft scoops. Draft scoops. So, I mean, it's up to Thor if he wants to bring scoops, <laughs> speculation, knowledge, any knowledge. combination of those three. It's a knowledge. <laughs> Thor Thor improves the draft smart to this show by 99.9%. Yes. It's a I'll low bar that. to start with, but uh, but Thor's bar is very oh, high. Oh, that's a good bar. I'm just saying it's a great bar. I know Vikings draft speculation is what we're going to get into here. Uh, yeah, this is Purple Daily, by the way. TCL is one of our partners here, and uh, they're now an official partner of the NFL as well. TCL, one of the world's best-selling consumer electronics brands. They have a new lineup of award-winning TVs delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution, all at an affordable cost. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL and learn more at TCL.com. And, uh, Judd, let's cheers to another week into draft speculation season here courtesy of our friends at surly brewing company uh, yeah there is no better time to cheers and more fun th- than than the national football league off season when it gets rolling because we're talking about enjoying a surly with draft speculation free agency combine reckless yeah. speculation it all fits into a lifestyle that starts with a surly in front of you that could be a before i die a furious whatever it is enjoy the surly because I know that you're going to, going to enjoy the reckless speculation that we're about to bring. So the audience might, if you're watching on YouTube, you might notice that Thor and I are both in ambiguous beige plane rooms yeah. right now. Yeah. Thor, you know, it looks one. like it looks like we're visiting the hours, like the same that, room or opposite that, sides. That's of the wall. what this is. We are conducting <laughs> this through a through a a, a plate of glass. <laughs> These guys. This is our one call. This is yeah, our one call. We're here. allowed yeah. to talk to them for X amount of time. So if this whole thing shuts off, don't be surprised. I will tell you that the crimes were different. Phil is incarcerated for cousin slander. For dunking on uh, cousins crusaders on Twitter. Yes. Yep. That's exactly right. Thor. We don't know. It's very hush hush right now. What crime does Thor look like he may have committed? That's the question for the the Purple Daily YouTube comment section. Question of the day. What crime does Thor look like he committed? Um, Thor Nystrom from from <laughs> from fantasy pros and betting pros and one of the most uh, foremost draft experts that we know. And you also heard him throughout the season on uh, Before We Die, our Purple Daily Vikings podcast spinoff. So today, let's get into quarterbacks here. We were just talking off microphone. We might as well bring this to the to the show here that, you know, I think p- people always kind of 
fret Vikings fans about the quarterback of the future because most of the time when the Vikings have tried to find the quarterback of the future, they have failed. We have Christian Ponder, post-traumatic stress syndrome, Tavares Jackson, right? Even Teddy Bridgewater looked pretty good but then blew his knee up. And so sort of clinging to a 35-year-old Kirk Cousins might work for another year or two. We'll see what they decide to do. But at some point, whether it's now or 2024, they need to start making a plan for the future at quarterback. Organizationally, the Vikings have been terrified to take shots in the first and second round on quarterbacks. And I, and I, I get why. We just went over some of the names. But in digging on this, if you go back 45 years, Tommy Kramer was drafted, what, Judd, in the second round or first round? First round at 77, if I'm not mistaken. So first round. Since then, so 45 years of Vikings drafts since then, they've only taken four quarterbacks in the first or second round. Dante Culpepper, Tavares Jackson, Christian Ponder, Teddy Bridgewater. And so I guess sort of that as a backdrop, that they just don't really wade into these waters. Thor, you go ahead. Should they consider drafting a quarterback this year? If they do, should it be in round one? Are there options later on? How do you like the quarterback class? I'm going to put a quarter in you, and you just go. <laughs> yeah, well, the, to, to the first point about the the four the four quarterbacks taken in round one or round two, that stat you put up, that blew my mind. Before the show, I was trying to, to wrap my head around it. It's a shocking little amount of draft equity for an NFL team to devote into the quarterback position in the modern era. You know, our, our friend Eric Eager had put out that tweet a couple of days ago where he looked through the, the Super Bowl participants in the last, like, 20 years, and he was saying, like, it was, if you don't have a, a quarterback on a rookie deal, a Hall of Fame quarterback, or a team coached by McVay or Shanahan, you're basically not making the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, there, there's, like, one instance where it wasn't one of those three things or whatever. So it's shocking that, yeah, that the Vikings have, have devoted that little. And then as far as this this draft class, this is where it gets kind of interesting because right now the Vikings only have five picks. If, if you look at the websites, they'll say the Vikings have four, but they, they're going to get a comp pick from Tyler Conklin, Conklin signing with the Jets. So they'll, they'll end up having five picks. I don't think that's enough picks to take the luxury on the quarterback with how many holes you're projecting to have right now with where you sit. Now, if you trade down in the first round, you know, trade back, into the second round with your first round pick, you acquire extra picks later. Or we, we've been talking about some of these possibilities. You trade Delvin Cook. If would someone give a draft pick for Adam Thielen? If you traded him, some of the veterans. If you can augment those picks and boost it up to a regular looking class, where now you have seven or eight picks, I think that's where the quarterback becomes in play in the middle rounds or in day three. And you certainly couldn't argue against that pick because they don't really have a future plan beyond Cousins. So, Thor, um, my guess is that the top four QBs or so are probably gone within the first 10 to 12 picks, okay? Yeah. So beyond that, um, to, to add to Phil's list, I think one of the one of the attempts that the Vikings actually did take was Brad Childress's first draft in 2006, which he essentially ran, and he took T-Jack by trading up with Pittsburgh for the last pick of the second round. So take me through that. Where is this draft as far as the potential deepness in that position? Because I think that that's where we're talking about taking chances. Like, it's not it's not one of the primary names. It's that secondary list of, oh, my gosh, this guy developed, and now he's really good. And where does that list stand? Because I think that's, that's the one I'm curious about, because that's the one it also feels like the Vikings have never really been sufficient at identifying. 
Yeah, you you mentioned the top four consensus quarterbacks, and Judd, I agree with you. The range that you're sort of putting there, I think there's there's a shot that it could be all four in the top nine because I think the Panthers pick ninth. If the Panthers though don't take the fourth one at nine, the lowest I think the fourth one would fall would be Washington's pick, and they're right there in, in the middle of, of the draft. But or I'm sorry, of the round of the first round. But after that, of course, there's the drop off after the consensus top four. I think that there's two day two quarterbacks in this class in Hendon Hooker of Tennessee, of course, Vikings fans seem familiar with him at this point. And then Stanford's Tanner McKee, who is a a huge pocket passer, a prototypical pocket passer guy. After that, it it seems like there's another teardrop, at least with the way that that the the NFL is perceiving the quarterback class. And that's when you get into that quagmire of the tier where it's like uh, Jake Hayner, Clayton Toon, Aiden O'Connell, um, you know, if you want to toss Stetson Bennett in there, I'd probably have him a tier or two lower. But, like, you, you start Tyson Badgeron, the other, you know, the D2 kid from Shepard that we saw at the senior ball. Th- those are sort of the tiers you have. I do think you're going to see another quarterback probably go into day two, maybe even two. Um, but that's sort of what you're looking at as far as, like, the hierarchy of that quarterback class. It's so interesting because if you, you know, if, if you're fully committed to finding – the next franchise quarterback, you almost have to do what, and, and you're not a team that's garbage and drafting high, right? You know, like the Texans are always flirting with franchise quarterbacks in the top 10. And you see the Brown, the Browns for 20 years and stuff, you know, the, the Vikings in their defense, they're not really drafting in the top 10 very often organizationally, because even their bad seasons are like seven and nine or, you know, nine and eight from, or eight, and nine last year, whatever it was. So, if you're a team like that, if you want to find one of the the top three or four quarterbacks, you almost have to do what the Chiefs did, you know, five years ago and and trade up to do it. So my next question for you is, assuming this year and even like next year, but we'll talk about this year's class specifically. If you're the Vikings and you think, man, this is the time to strike. We're going to play out the last year of Kirk's contract. It'd be great to go get our guy, have him sit behind Kirk for a year. We don't want it to be like an Aiden O'Connell, you know, fourth round sort of a flyer. We don't want it to be another Kellen Mond situation. We want to do it in the first round because we know that's where the blue chip talent is. Which quarterbacks would be on your list to say, you know, the Vikings should consider trading up for this guy? And how far down would they have to fall for the Vikings to move up from 23 to make it worthwhile? Chiefs moved up 17 picks. They gave up like a the first second and then the first round pick the next year, I think it was, uh, to go get their Patrick Mahomes. But what is that equation like if the Vikings are thinking about doing it in the first round this year, Thor? I think the only plausible scenario would be for Anthony Richardson. And the reason okay. that I say, say that is the other three guys, their draft import's going to be so high, the cost is going to be prohibitive for the Vikings to make that move. Because they already have the limited amount of picks, right? With Sitting with five right now, you don't have the second round pick you're going to have to dig deep into future draft equity in order to, to make that trade to get into the top, probably be six or so or seven to guarantee yourself one of the top three. Richardson's way more plausible, though, because there's that scenario where he gets beyond Carolina. And there's probably no scenario where four court. Well, I shouldn't say no scenario, but it, it seems like it's a far more remote possibility to four quarterbacks go before the ninth pick. So, like, I think when you're talking about a reasonable trade the Vikings could make with the equity that they have, it would probably be Richardson dropping into the middle of the first round on the scenario where now you have just have to hop Washington. And that they could do a little bit more reasonably 
um, especially if they've acquired other draft picks in advance. You know, we'll just have to see. So this feels to me like realistically with how the Vikings operate, and we don't know completely on Quasi yet, but I think we've got some tells from the 2022 draft, uh, Thor, that this feels like a situation where they probably address this, this position in the draft next year. So as as you look at initially uh, the players that will be coming out in the 24 draft from a quarterback standpoint, how strong is that draft? Because I think if the Vikings are ever going to really make a pitch to potentially trade up a lot and, and try and identify th- their guy, it's probably that draft, not this one. Yeah, and I think those are both very well set points. Uh, as far as the Vikings with the quarterback, because, you know, I get asked this a lot by the Vikings fans on Twitter about, like, quarterbacks to take in this class, whatever. With, you know, and I, I, I mentioned this before, with where it sits right now, with where the chips lie right this second, I would not bet on the Vikings to take a quarterback in this class. I think the scenario needs to change in order for them to facilitate the opportunity to take one, if that's what they ended up wanting to do. But I think it's far more plausible that they kick that can to next year and you use the limited amount of picks and the equity that you have to plug those those few holes where you need the immediate help uh, for this year. And then looking at next year's class, at the very top, it's really good. Um, the top two quarterbacks in next year's uh, class – you could make an argument that they should be the top quarterback in this class. I wouldn't do it because I love Bryce Young so much, but you could definitely do it. They're way up there. Uh, And I'm talking about Caleb Williams of USC and Drake May of North Carolina. Uh, Both those kids, since the day they they started playing as freshmen, they have dominated from, from day one. Their games are a little bit different. Drake May is more your prototypical pocket passer. Caleb Williams is a dual threat and is one of those guys who's just sort of magic with the ball in his hands, the decision, the decisions he makes. He's extremely unorthodox and he'll do things that other quarterbacks won't do. Some people comp him to Pat Mahomes. Uh, That's not right. Uh, His arm is not as good as Pat Mahomes and he's a better athlete, but um, he's, he's an awesome prospect in his own right. He can throw and he can run very dangerous. And the thing about the Vikings is, like if, let's say they, they roll it forward again, and you know, with Brian Flores now coordinating the defense, they're going to get younger and probably faster on defense with a better scheme. I don't think they're winning 13 games again, but they're not losing 13 games, which is probably what they would have to do to be in the mix for those two quarterbacks in 2024. So it's just kind of like, even as you look here, okay, all right, there's a bunch of quarterbacks in the first round this year, and then 2024. Will the Vikings even have access to these quarterbacks unless they make an aggressive trade up, which then brings us to sort of that second, third tier of guys you mentioned. You know, Hendon Hooker is going to be there at some point after the first round. Tanner McKee from from Stanford. You know, maybe maybe they do trade a Dalvin Cook, who, by the way, uh, it was announced this morning he underwent shoulder surgery on that shoulder that's been popping in and out and bothering him for like three years. And he's uh, his agency said he's ready going to be ready to rock for training camp, whatever. But that might decrease his trade value if you planned on uh, moving him in the next two or three months. But maybe you get like two or three extra picks to 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 get closer to like a standard you know number of of draft picks depth wise, and you can afford to to use one of those on a quarterback. Knowing what you know about Kevin O'Connell, Tanner McKee, Hendon Hooker, anybody else after those guys, who would you have your eye on? Jake Hayner. Of Fresno State, the kid who okay. opened eyes at the, the Senior Bowl, and in some ways opened eyes his entire collegiate career. He had signed with Washington as a pretty highly rated recruit, 
but didn't get on the field right away, transferred to Fresno State, and he just tore up college football after that. Now, it wasn't the G5 level, but Fresno State's one of the higher levels of the G5, whatever. Um, and he played some Power 5 teams, and he ripped them up too. But, you know, we had talked about him when I got back from the senior ball. The things that the Vikings, and Kevin O'Connell specifically, I think are going to be attracted to with Jake Hanner, it's a lot of the same things that the 49ers staff was attracted to with Brock Purdy. Those guys have, I'm talking about Purdy and Hayner, a lot of similarities in their games. And I think they would be used in very similar ways, uh, but, you know, O'Connell with regards to how Purdy was used by Shanahan. Guys that are going to run your system, guys that are going to make the correct decision every single time. It's like you can leave your kid alone for 10 minutes because you know he's not going to start smearing things on the walls. That's Jake (laughs) Hayner and Brock Purdy. They make the right decision every time, on time, within the timing of the offense with sound bases, mechanically sound, and they hit receivers on the hands. Those guys, the, the limitations with those guys, the reason they fall, Brock Purdy was the last pick in the entire draft. We missed Mr. Irrelevant, last pick in the seventh round. Uh, Hainer's not going to fall quite that far, but he is going to fall into day three because of the physical limitations, the exact same ones. He, he sawed off at six foot. Now he's just a little over 200 pounds. He doesn't have a howitzer for an arm. He's just sort of a man athlete. But the rest of the stuff, it's like he's the student of the game leader in the huddle kind of a guy. And I think that would really appeal to the Vikings, especially on the discount price tag that you can get them for on draft day. When it comes to mechanics, too, what what have you found um, in talking to scouts and teams that scares teams off of QBs? And what what are seen as the most fixable things? Because, like, I, I struggle with accuracy problems because there's been – it's always been a big deal if you're not – accurate and then there's been some guys and I think it was around the time of the ponder draft that it came out that Jake Locker went from an assumed first overall pick to dropping to like I think eighth to the Titans because of exactly that um Allen came into the league with issues there and they clearly and they clearly have gotten if not totally fixed fixed enough to make him an outstanding QB so what do you find actually frightens teams off and what do teams have the most confidence that they can fix when talking about QB prospects who might come in and most of them do flawed from college? Well, number one, I'll say it's 1000% case specific with the prospects. There's, you know, with, with these mechanical issues, there's some of the guys. And, and the other thing I want to say is every single coach is going to look at these kids and pound the, t- the quarterback coaches. I can fix that. You know, for the guys who where, where the the athletic skill set is there, the the tool set is there. Outside of that, they're going to pawn every single time and say that I can fix that. I I think that the the one that scares them the most, it, it's not necessarily the the fixable technique thing, like specifically the base. When, when you and, and and this was really pronounced with Hainer at the Senior Bowl in comparison to the other guys. When you looked at his lower half every time he took the snap, you know it was like the three steps back foot in the dirt, the ball's coming out. And again, correct decision. It's like he's got, it's a multiple choice test with four uh, choices. And he pick, he he has the right answer every single time. And it's on time and, and stuff like that. And and the ball is accurate and everything like that. Um, the, the ones that, that you know, and, and going back to the, the senior brother, the other kids that we were seeing there, their bases were all wonky. Um, like, and it wasn't just in uh, under pressure. It was also in clean pockets. Like some of the kids look like, you know, Bambi on ice. Some of the times when, you know, like as, as far as how wide their, their base would get or crossing their feet when, when they're sort of uh, dropping back, whatever. W- one of the ones I, I think that concerns the most is when a player consistently in college 
loses mind of their technique under pressure. Um, when when they're when the the that, that stuff is the, the they consistently don't mind it once the pressure comes. That's harder to work with, right? Like in in the clean pocket thing, when the process is working right, you you can typically uh, sort of make some of those changes. Uh, Judd, you were mentioning Josh Allen guy who came into the league with a whole bunch of mechanical issues. He had mechanical issues in his lower half, also had some mechanical issues in terms of marrying the upper half to the lower half. But the Bills were able to do that because Josh Allen, he wasn't a guy who is like everything devolved once there was pressure at the gate where he just sort of lost his mind with everything. It was like, oh, if we just teach him this stuff, it's it's going to sort of, you know, sink in or whatever, and he's going to keep his head with the rest of it. Um, it, it, it's the guys where where the pressure really just causes them to lose everything where you get concerned. What's harder? Because this is such a fascinating. Uh, there's both the the pressure. How do you handle the pressure? And then there's the accuracy. And sometimes the two can kind of blend together. Like C.J. Stroud, for instance, because he plays at Ohio State with NFL wide receivers and NFL offensive linemen, and half their schedule is garbage Big Ten teams. Doesn't have to perform that well under pressure. He struggles under pressure. Uh, according to smarter people that watched his games. Hendon Hooker is an example of a guy that basically was just had receivers schemed open for three hours every single week. When pressure came, Hendon Hooker, according to Pro Football Focus, he only completed like seven passes when moved from his spot in the pocket. Yeah. So when he was pressured, he'd look to run instead of looking to throw. So I guess my question to you is, as you're parsing all this apart, how do they perform under pressure in college? How can it translate? How accurate are they? Anthony Richardson, you know, had like you know a third of his passes were uncatchable, you know, according to the data. Yeah. Is is accuracy easier to fix, or is skittishness under pressure easier to fix? Accuracy for sure. Accuracy okay. for sure. Yeah, because you don't you don't typically see guys who crater under pressure in college like throughout the time that we see them on the field that then that becomes at any point in their NFL career strength. Typically when you see that as the scarlet letter, where that's like something that you saw throughout their college career, like a narrative that ain't changing the accuracy thing. You can do the tweaks to, to up it, right? Like we were talking about with Josh Allen, where once those mechanics got locked in, all of a sudden he had the rest of the arm talent and everything like that. And it turns out he was seeing the field fine. Right. And then he started to play with obviously much better talent with the bills than he was with Wyoming. You can tweak that stuff, but you can't tweak a guy that that just consistently melts down under pressure. There's because there's just, you, you can't be there with him in his helmet when that's happening every time. What can teams learn, uh, Thor? And th- this has been a continuing thing, but I, I would guess that each time it takes place, teams sit down and discuss it, or at least they should. What can teams learn from Jalen Hurts falling? Like, like what, what was there that they didn't see? What can they now go, go back in? Because, I mean, the talent was there. It's not like he didn't, didn't have uh, college success and not one but two schools. But what's, yeah. the, what's the cautionary thing of, man, in retrospect now, that at the very least has to be a mid to first or, or late first round pick. And, you know, he clearly fell into the second round. Yeah, I, I think that that's a, a bigger philosophical thing where it's you get uncomfortable, and this is probably in any walk of life with human beings, but like when you have to project a decision towards the future, if you don't have a past example of where the similar thing had success, where you know, you can't draw that parallel, it becomes harder to project that your current decision that that will have success. You this is why we do player comparisons. Right. Like you, you want you want sort of like a, a, a similar example to that. 
Um, and, and so when you don't see that, that that's where it gets tougher. And in the case of, with Jalen Hurts, there hadn't been a ton of quarterbacks that had succeeded like that. Um, and in part, it's because the NFL hadn't evolved fast enough offensively where you weren't putting the good athletes uh, at quarterback. But like Jalen Hurts, like come, like initially he and he played right away for Alabama, like and he wasn't really ready to play, as, especially as a thrower. Like I remember uh, I was working at Roto World back then, like uh, Jalen Hurts is true freshman year at Alabama and his uh, his draft the, the, the year after like the offseason after that. Alabama had a first round receiver. I believe it was Amari Cooper, um, the guy that that Hertz worked with as a true freshman. But I remember my colleague Evan Silva at Roto World. He would watch the film after the season because, of course, he's covering the NFL during the season. I'm covering college football, but then after the season, in like January, February, March, he would catch up on the college guys by watching them one by one. So he was watching the Amari Cooper tape, and then he would text me. He's like, "Who's this quarterback Alabama has? Why do they have a quarterback that can't throw?" And, and he, you know, like every single throw is like a worm burner, you know, and, 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 and whatever. But like he worked on it, he worked on it, he worked on it. The thing that never got, the, the, you know, one of the sort of cap limitations on his physical skill set is you saw it in the very last play of the Super Bowl. He doesn't have a howitzer. He tried to throw the Hail Mary. I don't think it even got 50 air yards. So you knew with him, the field was going to be somewhat condensed where it's like 50 yards at most, but probably it's like more comfortably like 35 to 40. You can go out. But then you stress the defense so much, uh, not vertically, but horizontally, and he could kill you in the intermediate sector. It's the one thing he did consistently at Alabama and Oklahoma where you started to get, you know, it's, it's like a pitcher against a hitter where a pitcher has two elite pitches, and, like, you give him the heat, you give him the heat, you give him the heat, and all of a sudden the, the, the hitter's like, well, it's tough to hit 100 miles per hour, but I'm just going to sit back on this when you can give him the other pitch. And so, like, defenses would start to get really concerned about Jalen Hurts running, and then I – he played with Henry, I, I think, or whatever at Alabama. But like the the rushing attack just became vaunted, and then Hertz got really good at the play action, one foot in the dirt, and the strike to the guy who was streaking across the middle on a cross or whatever. He'd hit that guy on the hands every single time, and again, the timing and the rhythm and everything like that. I, I think, Judd, short story long uh, answer to your to your question is the NFL hasn't become good enough at conceptualizing talents that they haven't seen yet and putting them into to some of these positions. And it's why a guy like Tank Dell, who's a 165-pound receiver in this class, he faces a higher burden of proof because there hasn't been other guys in his physical skill set who have won the way that he won in college, who have come into the NFL and succeeded. We just don't have many cases of that. So it just becomes a little bit higher for their burden of proof during the process. You know, as you as you were talking, I was thinking about specifically Anthony Richardson and just like the, the way that the NFL is evolving. 20 years ago, you looked at a list of the top quarterbacks in the league. Most of them were just sort of statue pocket passer guys, right? It was Tom Brady and the Mannings and big Ben Roethlisberger. And then Matt Ryan comes in the league and it's, it's a bunch of those guys and Tony Romo can move around and Mike Vick in the early nineties. But now it kind of feels like at least half of like, if you went through the top 15 quarterbacks in the NFL, most of them, even the, the pocket passers like Joe Burrow, like they can move. They can they can sprint out of the pocket. They're not just susceptible to oh my god internal pressure and you're and you're screwed. They can make something happen. So with the way that quarterbacks are becoming more athletic and and I think just like the culture of football the last ten years, it's more acceptable and okay to just have athletes playing that position, even if they're not pinpoint accurate. Right? How much can you sacrifice accuracy, reading defenses? And, uh, and and just you know mechanics and some of the traditional things that you look for, 
if you're just athletic enough. And Anthony Richardson's a guy that strikes me because he's one of the least accurate quarterbacks in college football. He has major footwork issues, and uh, maybe he's not great at going through progressions before he tries to run for 15 yards. But can you overlook some of that stuff in 2023 NFL if a guy is just a crazy athlete? Not not all the way, of course, because if the defense isn't afraid that you're going to complete the pass, obviously that, that hinders everything else, all the other advantages to his game. But it can mitigate it for sure. Be, like people, I feel like with with the quarterback position, you do the NFL draft stuff. One of the the more underrated, like the thing that they don't bake in enough with the quarterbacks, I feel like is the athleticism. It's like when they're talking about the evaluation. Sometimes it's like the only thing they care about is the passing stats and different stuff like that. And it's like the value that some of these guys bring as a runner um, out of the pocket or uh, just buying time within the pocket. Uh, the ability to uh, not convert pressures into sacks. Like Richardson's really good in this class as far as like the pressures come, but they do not turn into sacks against him. Levis is is on the other end of the polarity. He's he's really bad at that. Um, so like you know you're gonna you're gonna derive other things from that. It's about uh, tailoring your offense to that player and then making sure that he gets good enough at those weaknesses so it becomes playable. With Richardson, you would you would you would construct an offense. You'd spread it out. You'd you'd go vertical. Um, because he can throw the ball a country effing mile. And then you have to play two safeties back. So you're always going to have thinned out boxes. And, and the guy's 6'4", 250, and he's, he's a stud athlete. So that, that's when you can start running in the thin boxes with him and your, with Richardson and your running back. Get ready for one incredible night of rock with Static X. And Seven Dust. Machine Killer North American Tour, Saturday, May 18th, Myth Live, with special guests, Dope, and Lines of Loyalty. Tickets on sale now at MythLive.com or eTix.com. Don't miss Static X and Seven Dust. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. And this is is great stuff. I, I remember talking to Spielman when I was covering the Vikings at the Combine about this, uh, Thor, when this trend first started, which was, you know, college long ago, what, 15 years or so, opened things up way more. And at that time, the National Football League was like, oh, that's not how we play. And I remember t- talking to Rick about how, how do you scout guys now? Because, like, telling what telling what they can do, translating it to your game from their game is tough. What I didn't know at that, that time was that more young coaches and smart coaches would start to look at it and be like, hold on a second here. That actually works. We'll try that. And I think that that's why you, you need coaches who are adaptable. It's why I think we're seeing young coaches who don't say, this is, you know, I run the West Coast scheme. Like, like the West Coast, as we knew it, is basically dead. It's morphed and changed a lot. But I saw today that – the Ravens hired the Georgia OC to be their o- OC. And it's genius because basically what they're saying is if we go and get another old school National Football League OC, 
he's going to look at Lamar and be like, I can do a couple of things here. Mm-hmm. A college guy is going to say, all bets are off. I can do a ton of things. And, mm-hmm. and so like, that's where, that's where I think what we've now entered is an era of accepting adaptability. And, and instead of this is what I do, it's like, no, no, no. And that is last point on this. What makes Andy Reid so damn good? If you hear about the young coaches that he surrounds himself with, who are like who are doing things uh, that that he never considered doing in Philly, and now does on a regular basis. So I think what we're talking about, and hopefully what the Vikings are going to head towards, is an adaptability where they change things consistently enough that it doesn't become well. The quarterback can't do this, so we can't use him. One thousand percent. And Jay, you think about you're talking about the last 15 years or so, 20 years, how far the game has progressed. It's like we were sort of on a slow uh, evolution trajectory with football for a while. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, uh, what is it? Ray Kurzweil or something like the theory of like the exponential uh, uh, growth of technology. Once it hits like a certain point, then it just like, you know, it starts getting better and better and better by this exponential rate, you know, whatever that's, it's sort of like the, the football evolution where even think about like 20 years ago, it was taboo to draft an air raid quarterback. Think about how absurd that is. The NFL was actually afraid of quarterbacks that threw the ball a lot in college. Um, And, you know, and then also like the the thing about like quarterbacks that were beneath uh, six foot one. And there was a couple different quarterbacks that ended up sort of tearing that wall down. Uh, Drew Brees firstly, and then of course, Kyler Murray later on. It's the reason why a guy like Bryce Young is in a position potentially to be the first pick in this class, a quarterback who might only measure in at five foot 10. And why every single year going forward now you're going to see air raid quarterbacks in the first round. Was it was Case Keenum an air raid quarterback? He was, yeah. University of Houston, Houston. owns all kinds of records. Yeah, mm-hmm. just ripped it up. That's right. Yeah. Um, before we, so we're going to do a, a mock simulation here as yeah. we do every week, courtesy of uh, Pro Football Focus's mock simulator. So we'll, we'll get into that with some parameters here in just a moment. But um, let's shout out our friends over at Livia, helping a lot of Purple Daily listeners lose weight here. In the new year, Judd Zolgad. Including me, down uh, 40 pounds a couple of years back now, but here's the most important thing. So this is not, as I continue to say, this is not a diet. It's weight control. And what that means is in a actually a very short time period and a very simple program, they're going to help you lose the weight. Now, that's awesome. That's great. But here's the best part. As a lot of folks in the PD family have learned, they're going to help you keep the weight off as well. And that's the most important thing. And right now, 50% off if you, uh, if and when you contact them and ask for the Judd Score North offer, 50% off, 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com, Livia.com, L-I-V-E-A.com. Uh, feel great by spring and summer, fit into a ton of clothes again, and then continue on a lifestyle that's best for your health and your looks, Livia.com. Also, uh, I, I don't know if we're, I don't know if we can talk specifically about this yet. I don't think we can, but I think we can talk broadly and tell you that we had such a blast at the Purple Daily Draft Party last year. We're going to do it again. We don't know where yet. We're still planning the logistics of of where and and how it's all going to look. But uh, the first round of the NFL draft, mark your calendars. I think it's April twenty seventh. And uh, you guys are all welcome to come hang out with us and wait out whatever the Vikings decide to do. Just like last year, they traded uh, they traded all the way back, and a bunch of people were were pissed. But it was a great time, and so at least mark put put a little mark on your calendar for April twenty seventh. 
and we'll get you more details here in the coming weeks for the next Purple Daily Draft Party. All right, Dex, if you could pop this PFF screen here up on the YouTube channel, and then we'll we'll narrate this for the podcast audience. This is our third, I believe, mock draft simulation with General Manager Thor Nystrom leading us uh, to glory here. <laughs> so I think what we could do here is so we put parameters on these so we aren't just kind of stumbling around every single week for this one. I want us to trade up into the top ten. Oh. We're ta- we're talking about quarterbacks here. Let's let's essentially do what what Thor kind of mapped out, which is let's go get a couple extra picks. Let's keep Kirk Cousins for another year. Let's write out the last year of his contract. But let's go get like, and you guys stop me here if you disagree with this. We we know that we can trade Dalvin via the PFF system here. He did just have shoulder surgery, but. You know, the Buffalo Bills could use a running back. Maybe he plays next to his his brother. That's the Cowboys. So I'm going to, if you guys are cool with this, I'm going to offer Delvin Cook to the Bills because we need some draft capital if we're yeah. going to move up, right? Yeah, let's do That's it. That's what you were saying, Thor. So yeah. let's see if we can get the 91st pick here. It looks like it'll be accepted. So let's offer this trade to Buffalo, and it's been accepted. Congratulations. We just picked up a third-round pick for let's Dalvin go. Cook. All right, let's trade again here. Let's see if we can pick up some more draft capital. Let's trade. What if we said, okay, aging defensive players, boy, this is it's just going to be really tough with, uh, with all these guys over the age of 30. Let's trade Zadarius Smith before a contract situation ensues. Okay. Yeah. And uh, who, who's a team that could use an edge rusher off the top of your head, Thor? Um... Let's go uh, a team closer to Kentucky, maybe Baltimore. We've traded with Baltimore in the past. Okay. Let's talk to Baltimore here, see what they're up to. For And, and Zadarius, didn't Zadarius try to play for Baltimore last time around? Oh, yeah, maybe that, maybe they that were, would scuttle. No, but now, but now they're like, oh, okay, he's, he's healthy enough. We could, oh, now we yeah. Could, yeah. Yeah, yeah I just we could scoop him up the now. the second half of the season with a knee in a sling. All right, let's see it. Oh, we can get the 125th pick for Zadarius Smith. What's that? Is that a fourth-round pick? That would be yeah, yeah. Okay. Actually, actually, Phil, I got news for for you. I think if you want to do what you're talking about, I yeah. think you might have to trade Daniel Hunter. That's Daniel. Wow, go. you guys. Okay. Yep. I don't want to do it, but I'm I'm saying you you've got lofty goals right now, buddy. You got yeah. real lofty goals. Well, let's see. Okay, let's see. Can we get that 20 second pick? What if we go Daniel and like the 119? There you go. Nope. Yeah. How about the Daniel and then the 91? Daniil in the 87. No, they're not doing any of these. Wow. But we could do we could do Daniil for the 86 and they you would don't do it. I like Daniil as much as I do. Okay. Yeah, what about what about this? Oh, here you go. Daniil for the 86 and the 125. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yes, for the purposes of this, I think that's good. And then they have to figure out what they do with that contract. So we just picked up three draft picks for Daniil Hunter and Dalvin Cook. Going to get younger, going to get cheaper, figure it out. I'm assuming they accept this and they did. Okay. So Now you go. Here you go. All right, so now we're going to start the draft. I'm going to pause it after, like, the first five picks so we can let our uh, general manager, Thor, sort of process what's what's happening. Love it. All right, Jalen Carter to the Bears. Will Levis to the – wow, first quarterback off the board, Will Levis to the Texans. Cornerback – this is crazy. This is bonkers. Look at this, dude. Oh, my God. At Pro Football Focus has lost its mind. <laughs> I can just Anthony oh Richardson to the Colts at number four. 
Let's wow. just stop it right here because Bryce Young is still on the board at pick five here, Thor. What, if, if it plays Ooh. out this way, uh, how drunk are you getting? <laughs> oh, man, yeah. I mean, you, you might have to make a call there. Although he would make a lot of sense on Seattle because you yep. know that they're not afraid of the size with the quarterback. So they might just run the card up at that point. But I do think there is a scenario where he falls to five. Interesting. So our goal here on this mock is to trade up into the top ten. And I think it should be for a quarterback if we're going to do it right. Because that's like, is there any other, I mean, you tell us, is there any other position you would move from 23 into the top 10 in this draft besides a quarterback? No, because, you know, like we're showing here, you're going to have to either trade key contributors or you're going to have to trade into next year's draft. You're going to have to sort of steal from Peter to pay Paul kind of thing. So, yeah, I I think it would have to be the quarterback. It's the only thing where you make that kind of investment. So Stroud and Young are still on the board here. Where should we should we should we let one more pick go off and just kind of see what happens? Let's. I I don't think well unless we traded the first round pick next year we wouldn't be able to move up right now with like I'm getting up to getting up to five on the on the the Rich Hill trade chart you'd have to add two hundred twenty points to where the Vikings are sitting at at twenty three. That's yeah. basically the equivalent of a late first round pick as well. So you basically have to get two late first rounders to move up there. I don't think the Vikings have enough to get up there unless they're going to give the twenty twenty four round one. Just for fun here, just like let's say we're knocking on the door of your Seattle, we want we're going to swap the five and the twenty three. Let's see how many things we'd have to give them before it says accepted. yeah. Okay, so let's give next year's first. Yep. Okay, twenty four percent chance to be accepted. Oh, can we the, offer it and just see if they take it on the chance? I think they're probably going to say no. Let's oh, throw the 86 in and see what happens. All right. Now we're up to a 69 Yeah, you're getting chance. closer now. Now down to like 91 or 119. Try and let's try 119. 85% chance. Yeah. Oh, God. I so we would, gotta... Let's do it. Let's try it. You guys oh, got you to take, take all 86, though, right? We're going we're gonna to get it closer to 50 and just go at 23 and 119. Oh, you're trying the... to fleece them? Is that what I you're trying to fleece do? them, yeah. I want to oh, nickel yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's t- let's take away the 119 and keep it at a 69. percent We'll offer so we're going to offer the Seahawks the 23, the 86, and next year's first round pick to move up to five here. Let's offer this and see All what right, happens. Done. Oh my God! They said yes. Wow, said we're on the yes. clock. Can you imagine Goodell comes out to the podium and you see the Vikings logo show up on the screen? The Vikings are now on the clock. And oh my God! We have a trade. The Vikings Kirk- are now in the five slot. And Kirk demands a trade immediately and is sent to San Francisco. <laughs> so if Chuck, you, you will it, pass out at the live part, the, the live view. Oh, part, yeah. I'll have to catch you. Yeah, I'm well, I still cold. might pass I'll, I'll out. I'll stone cold two beers in front of my, right, right in front of my jaw. <laughs> this happens. Yeah. I might pass out regardless, Thor, but that's just a whole nother topic. <laughs> so, okay. So if this were to happen, obviously uh, you'd probably want to put a phone call into Kirk beforehand and say, listen, yeah. man, uh, we didn't think this was going to happen, but Bry- Bryce Young was still there. At pick five. Okay, so if, so Thor, you're sitting here with your choice of Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, or you know Will Anderson Jr. an edge rusher for the future. What are you What are you doing here? Will Anderson's great, but this is the easiest decision we've had with any of these. This is Bryce Young. Bryce Young with a bullet, best player in the draft. All right. We by the way, we had four trade offers there. We probably could have probably could have moved back a pick or something. Uh, it would instead. have been like Kevin Costner in draft day. We'd be yeah. trading up and down and up and down. <laughs> Come on, Sonny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm taking a linebacker and running back. What are you I doing, Sonny? You're back. fired. <laughs> yeah, I want my picks back. <laughs> Worst draft of all time. All right, so we're going to speed through here. We can go lightning fast. We still have picks 87, 91, 119, and 125. It's a four-round simulation. But 
Okay, so we gave up next year's first, obviously this year's first, to swap and move up 18 spots, and then uh, the 86th overall pick. And now you have a situation where Kirk Cousins is still under contract because you, <laughs> you know, you're through free agency period. You could still trade him, I guess, with like a post-June 1st designation. His agent's making calls right now. Yeah, <laughs> he probably is. Talking to John Lynch as we do this. Yes. That's, I mean, that's a plausible scenario still, I think, if the Niners – kind of get through the next few weeks and realize, man, we could, we just need a guy that can uh, run the ship. Okay, so. Bryce got... Young, get, I'm sorry if I just no, dude, break go. it. Because I, I never even thought about Bryce Young on the Vikings. If he was, um, the, the, the evocation to Fran Tarkington, when you see Bryce Young in purple, they're so similar as players. Just the pint-sized scramblers who are prodigies as throwers that see the field so well. Um, I, I just think that that would be really cool. I mean, I think we just we just brought a new thing into your reality here. I think you should yeah. start uh, start putting this it's into like your It's like Doctor Strange. So we've got picks eighty-seven and ninety-one here on the horizon. We are on the clock, and Thor, we'll kind of scroll through here. You can yeah. talk us through. This is the PFF big board, so there might be players. If you want us to search like positions or something, yeah. your big board might look different than their big board. Well, but, Darnell Washington, first of all, I don't think there's any chance that he would be available here. I, you know, I, I don't think the, the Vikings, after they traded for Hawkins, I'm not sure they're in a position to take another tight end. But if they wanted to go more two tight end sets, Washington would be the guy that you would put in line. He's sort of a mon- – like I, I think of him like a Space Jam Monstar. He's like 6'7", 270. He's just an insane <laughs> athlete. But he definitely will not be available there. Um, let's see at the top corner left, because that would be my concern right now. Oh, Cody Mock is still there. Our local Clark Phillips is there. Oh, Drew Sanders is there too. There's actually a lot of guys falling here. Wow, I, I think I gotta go. Drew Sanders. I, I think I gotta go. Uh, Clark Phillips uh, in a close call over over Drew Sanders, uh, just because of the immediate help. Uh, Clark Phillips. Well, we have he, we have we have two picks here. We have 87 and 91. Oh, we're we're gonna get two good players here. I'm going to go Clark Phillips with the first one because I like I don't even think there's going to be another cornerback on my board that will be close to where he is right now. But okay. he's right up there with the stickiest uh, cover corners in this class. We were talking about Devin Weatherspoon in the last one. Clark Phillips has more size concerns than some of these other guys, but he he stays in your back pocket the whole game. So we got we we landed Clark Phillips, and now we're back on the clock at 91 here. Drew, Drew Sanders, Drew Sanders, man, fix your linebacker problem. Yeah, and Drew Sanders, he he's a big kid, but he's super rangy and athletic. He actually started his career as an edge rusher at Alabama, and he just couldn't get on the field because they had someone named Will Anderson on one side, and you know, whatever studs they had on the other side. So he ended up having to transfer to Arkansas. They let him play off ball linebacker this year. He was awesome at it. Just had this huge break all year. But whether as a linebacker or switching him uh, situationally to edge rusher. He can get after it, and he's a great athlete, which would be a breath of fresh air for the Vikings in their linebacker room. I, I, I'm popping him. Thumbs up. Let's do it. All right. All right. You guys good? Drew Sanders? All right. Before Russia, right? Yeah. 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 He, he'll get in there, and he'll start right next to Osamo on day one. He can cut right. both those linebackers open more cap space. So two more picks here, 119 and the 125 in our four-round simulation. I'll scroll down for you here, Thor. Now, Brevin Span Ford, I think, announced he's going back to the Gophers, right? So this, some of this is a little bit. Oh yeah, and and we traded we traded Cook, right? Who did we trade again before? We traded Cook. We tra- Cook. Yeah, we traded Dalvin Cook, Neil. and we traded we a Hunter. Back. Oh, that's right. Okay, we could use some edge help too. Okay, okay. Let's see. Okay, keep, uh, keep scrolling down. Roshan Johnson, kind of interesting. Um, probably going to be better in college than he was in uh, 
or I'm sorry, the NFL thing was in college, stuck on B. John Robinson there. Zach Evans would be interesting here, too. Another locomotive running back. Um, some receivers there, Thor. Yeah, we could use some receivers. Yoshiva's a little uh, raw for me. Marvin Mims might be the pick here. I, I really like Marvin wow. Mims, and he's going to he's gonna fall through the right. cracks because he, he's skinny and he's not super-duper athletic, but makes plays at all, all sectors of the field, and he's been productive since he first stepped onto the field. So, it, like, he, he would definitely be in play here. If you guys are down for it, Marvin sure. Mims. So what, what's his ability to stretch the field? Can you go over that again real quick? Is he a guy that's going to compliment Justin Jefferson? He's not like the physically dominant guy like Randy Moss where it's like he can outrun you and then he can outjump you two downfield. He's more like the 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 smooth operator and the the slithery guy in his route. Okay. So he can shake you along that the route and then he can make the plays downfield. He's got the ball skills to win downfield. Welcome to the Minnesota Vikings, Marvin Mims. The yeah. smooth operator. I like that. Sade. Uh and then we're this is our last pick for this simulation, pick 125. And this, obviously uh, could could still use a number of different things, including a running back. That that Fihoko kid uh, on the top, he's sort of one of the sleeper edges. He, he finished second in college last year to Will Anderson in terms of pressures oh, generated. Let's do it. Yes. Yeah. It, with him, it's going to come down to the athletic testing. But if he tests better than people expect, he's not going to be available here. It's, yeah. But it's all dependent on that. Because you got, I mean, you got Ty Chandler in your backfield. You could re-sign Alex Madison, or there's a bunch of free agent running back. Veteran off the streets. Look at the fifth round coming up too. Let's do it. Let's draft the edge rusher from uh, San Jose State. Here we go. And there it is. And we'll get the results here for you guys. PFF's going to grade what we just did. (laughs) Okay, uh, they're giving us an. A plus, an A plus, yeah. and an A on the Seahawks slash Bryce Young situation that we just pulled. They're giving us a B plus on Clark Phillips, a B plus on Drew Sanders, a C minus on Marvin Mims, and an in a B plus on Fiocco. How are you going to give us a C minus getting Mims at one nineteen? <laughs> Still got an A, Thor. Come we on. need a show it's where a Thor, where Thor just argues with the PFF <laughs> algorithm <laughs> for like an hour. Just wrings its neck, <laughs> you stupid algorithm. I think that uh, was successful. We got Bryce Young. Yeah. Overall draft grade an A for us here yeah. today as a front office. I mean, you we just fix, you fixed your Vikings defense. Football. If 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 someone were to say, all right, listen, the Vikings are going to draft Bryce Young, maybe sit him, but probably not. I think this would probably trigger a Kirk Cousins trade to uh, San Francisco, and then they're so they're going to get more draft capital. Yeah. And then uh, they're going to then spend the next three of the next four picks on cornerback that could start, linebacker that could start, and then an edge rusher that could uh, they could start at some point, plus Marvin Mims, I think. If you make that – if if on, on the very small chance that you make that, that trade, okay, and you go up and get Bryce Young, as you're about to put the card in, you got to call San Fran, right, and try and deal Kirk right now. Yeah. And get Kirk to waive the no trade clause. Like there has to be some type of just – Deep in a file cabinet somewhere, or deep on a hard drive, or deep on in the cloud, there has to be an idea of if this were to happen, right? But you don't know you, that this is going to happen until it happens. Because no, that's what I'm Bryce saying. But when, well, but when it's unfolding, I I think I think you've got Quazy on the phone with with the team that they're going to trade with. In this case, Seattle, and then you got like Brzezinski on the other phone with San Francisco. So it's a simultaneous thing so that you can get draft capital back immediately now. So you trade them on draft night is kind of what you're saying, right? You'd, yes, if the, I could. Yeah, yeah. If I could, I would try and pull off simultaneous moves oh. because if you could get a first-round pick also back for Kirk, which I think you could borderline get one back, right? 
Okay, let me ask you this. Okay, well, and then we'll and then we'll. Let I mean, it's totally off. reckless. I'm out so, of line. No, this is great. Let's let's keep going down this path real quick. I've okay? overstepped boundaries. If this happened, and you wound up trading, you, because you'd then have to almost have to trade Kirk at this point. Yeah. Um, so you make that move, but you so now you've said goodbye to Daniil, who probably has one more year of elite edge rushing play left. Could still be in the league for five more years, but in terms of like being one of the top ten guys, maybe one more year left. You get rid of him, you get rid of Dalvin Cook, and then you get rid of Kirk Cousins, three cornerstone players, but you replace them with a bunch of cap space because you'd be doing some of these trades before, obviously, free agency hits. Uh, Bryce Young, and then all the other players that we just drafted defensively. With the Vikings, they're going to take a step back even with their current team because of just like the schedule and you know one-score games. That to me is a competitive team for this year, even though you're sort of creating a window that's you know much wider than 2023. If you were to land Bryce Young somehow by trading up, yeah, I you know I'm not the big you know like I'm not the biggest like Kirk Cousins like hate or whatever. Um, but I I I know that I, after what I say, I'm going to be painted like that by by some of the Vikings fans. But Bryce Young is a better quarterback than than Kirk Cousins right now. He was last year. He will be next year. Um, so yeah, if you could swap him out, I, I'm absolutely not conceding that that is a downgrade. I think it would probably be an upgrade. Uh, so if, you know, put him with O'Connell and, and have him do that sort of stuff, and then you're of course you're going to get something with Cousins in you know with with, with the trade whatever. It would be like a quasi uh, rebuild season, but if that scenario somehow popped up and presented itself, and then you know you had the other offer for for Cousins, you might be able to talk the ownership into it. If you know, Judd, we talked about this. How like the Wills want to stay, you know, competitive. They don't ever want to have like the tanking year. So it's hard to sort of talk them into doing that first round quarterback, which is why we we don't see it as much. But like if you sat them down in, in the the theater room there for like an hour and just showed them Bryce Young highlights for an hour, then they might be singing a different tune coming out of that room about some of these moves. Yeah. Amazing! Oh my gosh! I can't wait till next next week's simulation. See what else wow. we can. <laughs> concoct here all right gentlemen uh he is thor nystrom from fantasy pros and betting pros and he is uh, one of the best draft experts that we know and every tuesday we do this we do deep dives into uh the nfl draft from a vikings perspective and uh, it's a blast so any final words from you guys until we uh convene again next week i just go vikings uh, oh. Perhaps a nap after that. <laughs> yeah, that, that was good. I, I I literally never thought about the possibility of Bryce Young in purple, but that would be just so fabulous. Now you're only going to be thinking about that. I know. Uh, that, that's a wrap on uh, this episode of Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. We'll see you next time.